0: this thing. I've been shivering all the way over here. Well, Coach, you don't have a coat on. It's 30 degrees outside. Oh, thank God. I thought I had malaria. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, yeah. Coach, your
1: friend
0: Walt. Oh, Walt. Walt. Walt, Walt. My God, it's so good to hear from you. Oh, I'm so glad the operation's over, Walt. Listen, I didn't want to say anything beforehand, Walt, but, you know, I didn't think your chances going in there were too good. Oh, it's tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, welcome to Killer Casting. I'm Mrs. M. Buddy. I cast killers and a lot more. And I love to talk about casting. I love to talk about... Drama, Kill, killing—I love to talk about killing, police shows, dramas, psychopaths—and with me today is one psychopath I know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. This is Paul Sullivan, and uh, I am a uh, a podcaster. I have produced many. Could you talk
0: a little slower, please?
1: I'm a podcaster. I have produced many things. I have produced television shows. I have produced. Uh, videos, I have produced films, and the two of us have produced two children.
0: That's right. So... What we sometimes we do with our children, despite their um, yelling and screaming, not to we like to watch series with them. We like to kind of reach into the past and show them old series, and we have a lot of fun doing it. And well, not so old. We we've we've blasted through Modern Family, and we binged through The Odd
1: Couple. That's an older show. We
0: binged through The Odd Couple, Seinfeld, Seinfeld.
1: um, What are some other shows we watched? We watched.
0: um, Wait, there are a ton of them. What did we watch? (laughs) Oh, co- Coffee, Comedians and Coffee with Cars. Yeah, uh,
1: Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn
0: Nine-Nine. I showed
1: them Police Squad, which is one of my favorite TV shows. Right,
0: but we like to basically take a series and you know where, because where, on, they're on streaming now and just binge through the whole thing. Anyway, so uh, the, our latest binge is? Cheers. Cheers. We just started watching Cheers and it's always interesting to see if it holds up and it's always interesting to see, you know, who was in the original casting that you totally forgot were mm-hmm. in the early episodes. Um, and it it's definitely it definitely holds up and yeah. it's 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 great you know
1: it's, yeah it's a re- it's it's great it's a show that that is the best shows I think are the ones that are character driven as opposed to gag driven and the characters and Cheers are so clear and all the actors in it are so good and everyone and everyone embodies the character so perfectly that it's sometimes difficult to imagine an alternate universe where someone else is playing some of those characters Mm -hmm. and, and how close we were to that happening on a show like Cheers. So.
0: Right, but as we know in casting, there are all kinds of alternative universes where somebody else was almost cast or they couldn't quite figure it out or something happened and you had to replace somebody. And that, that certainly happened down the line with Cheers um, when we lost uh, Nicholas...
1: Calisantos. Nicholas yeah.
0: Calisantos, coach, passed away. And lo and behold, they cast somebody who just rocketed to fame.
1: Well, they did a, they did a very smart thing when they... They lost Nicholas Calasanto, and especially watching those early episodes, how much of the humor stemmed from Coach, and his sweetness, and his... uh, befuddledy duddledy Yeah, he was was a sweet guy who wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, and one of the few cast members who actually was from New England, he was from Rhode Island, but this this is the native New Englander in me, uh, taking great pride of the actual New Englanders in the show... But when he died, they made the great sense of not saying, "Hey, uh, Sam had another coach with the Red Sox, and right. now he's here." They found someone who was able to bring the sort of the not sharpest knife in the drawer humor to it, but take a totally different tack to it, which was to bring in the younger Woody Boyd, who was of course played by uh, Woody Harrelson, and at the time, Woody Harrelson was on Broadway. In the show Biloxi Blues. I and, didn't
0: know that. And he
1: was not interested in TV. He wanted to be a stage actor. Yeah. And he was like, I'm on Broadway. Why would I give up Broadway to be on a TV show? But he, in an interview, re- I heard this in an interview that it was one of those things where it was like, well, it's not just any show, it's Cheers. And Cheers was a at that point had been on the air for maybe two or three seasons and it had been established. It was a hit and it was considered a show of high quality. So Yeah,
0: those were the days where being on TV was like there was a, a little stigma embarrassing. To it. <laughs> like you were either you know the Broadway was the top and then maybe movies. Right. And then TV and then, you know But
1: he, he had said that he would not have left the show for anything less than this incredibly acclaimed tv show to, to audition for it and the character by the way was named woody on the script it wasn't rewritten really? a lot of times there are a lot of characters especially some of the peripheral bar characters that they just keep their regular names yeah so they could talk there was the character of paul who appeared on the show a lot as one of the bar flies who was wasn't one of the main cast but if you'd seen the show oh yeah that's paul yeah and and they would refer to him by his actual name but it was a coincidence that it was Woody Boyd was Woody Harrelson. That's so thing. funny,
0: because years later, after Cheers was done, I actually saw Woody Harrelson in a Broadway show as the Rain... Not the Rain Man. The Rainmaker? The Rainmaker?
1: Oh, the Rain... The Is that the musical?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: It's, I think that's the Rainmaker.
0: Yeah. So he was in that, and I thought, oh, good for him. <laughs> he went to a yeah. on Broadway. Okay. Good. Yeah. Anyway, but you were telling me about the alternative cast. And we were talking, I was asking as we were watching it, like, oh, was this Ted Dance's first big thing? Because this is long before, obviously, that he was on The Good Place and a million other things.
1: Right. He had done uh, Body Heat. He had done...
0: And they make a Body Heat joke. Yeah, they make a I Body can... Heat yeah. joke.
1: on the, they, they make... He was on... He had appeared on a bunch of TV shows as like guest spots. He had been in Creep Show. The year before, which was kind of a. With Adrian a, Barbeau. Yeah, there was kind girl. of a, a cult hit horror film. Yeah. So he was gathering a bit of momentum as a potential leading man, as someone with a. He had you know, certainly a, a ability, but as one of the producers said, it was strange when they met with him for the part of Sam that he, A, considered himself to be a character actor who just happened to be a really good looking dude. Uh-huh. And he was more interested in not cashing in on his looks, but more of like sure. playing interesting roles. But the other thing is he knows nothing about sports. He doesn't follow sports. <laughs> He's not a jock. He doesn't care about sports. And and the role
0: definitely the, the, was the, supposed to be a jock. Yeah. He was a,
1: for, about, a former yeah. athlete. Now I was saying to Lisa that the very early in the process, this is like, this is not uh, a casting. What if this is a star sniffing around. There was a lot of, uh, buzz about this project that was being created by uh, it was being created by uh, uh, the Charles Brothers and uh, what was it Jim Burroughs?
0: Yeah. So Les Charles, Les Charles, Glenn Les Charles,
1: and Jim Burroughs were all involved in other huge shows. The the Charles Brothers were the head writers of Taxi. They had written for MASH, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart, and so they were getting their own show. And so mm-hmm. there was a big to do about this really talented group. Forming together, and this was like the champion of the the show that Brandon Tartikoff, who was running NBC at the time, the, he was championing this show. Said so this, I want to get this group together. This cheers! This the this
0: cheer, this show about a bar, uh, yeah. And it
1: was originally going to be about a hotel, but they realized that most of the action was around the hotel bar, so they said, then forget the hotel, just make it about the bar. Uh-huh. And at that time, uh I'm I'm just. Eh, let's just say he's a problematic figure now, but Bill Cosby was looking to get back into the sitcom world in a deal he had with NBC. So this is after
0: the Cosby show? No, this is
1: before the Cosby show. This this is is two years before the Cosby show. Interesting. And so he was looking for his next big... His his stand-up was skyrocketing at that point. He had just done Bill Cosby himself, which was a massive success, and, you know, and certainly at the time was considered to be one of the great stand-up movies. And it was clear he was ready to do another sitcom. And he said, well, why don't I do this? I'll be the bartender. And mm. it's a central character everyone can revolve around. And while they entertained him and NBC had a development deal with Bill um, that the, the Charles Brothers and James Burroughs said, never make a show where the main actor's name is the title. So they said, then you can't fire him, right? And so, but they also knew it would then become his show, and so
0: they would change the name.
1: Well, they said if yeah. he signed on, it would yeah. become that. Would become the yeah, the, yeah, the Cosby yeah. Show. So, right, right, right. so I mean, and so they avoided that early on, and we and very early on, the script called for it, uh, Sam Malone to be a former New England Patriots quarterback, and the the network was in love with Shelley Long, Mm -hmm. who was a Second City improv veteran. She had been on episodes of M.A.S.H. and a couple of other shows, and it was just very clear that this woman was a TV star just waiting to happen.
0: Mm. Sam, do yourself a favor. Go back to your tootsies and your rat parts. I'd hate to see the bowling alleys close on my account. (laughs) <laughs>
1: hey hey wait wait a minute wait a minute are you saying that uh, I'm too dumb to date smart women
0: I'm saying that it would be very difficult for you a really intelligent woman would see your line of BS a mile away
1: you think so huh? uh-huh uh-huh yeah well uh you know I've never met an intelligent woman that I'd want to date
0: on behalf of the intelligent women around the world <laughs> may I just say <laughs> <laughs>
1: And other people were considered, uh, and as I said, Julia Duffy, who went on to be the lead in Newhart, uh, Bob Newhart's right. wife. she was in,
0: on Designing Women, right? I, yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I
1: knew her mainly from Newhart, but yeah, yeah but yeah, she, yeah. she went on to have a very successful career. And another actress whose name escapes me right now, whose last name was Icorn, I don't remember her Person, but she was a that woman of that time was also considered, but Shelley Long was clearly the front runner almost from the start. That she had, she was pretty. She could play stuck up, but she could also play comedy. She hit all. She checked all the boxes right. that Diane needed. The network said William Devane to As play Shelley at, Long's role. At, no, yes, for yes, for <laughs> Diane <laughs> for Chambers. <laughs> no, William Devane was the their choice to play Sam Malone. Right. And Fred, was it Fred Dreyer? Yeah. Fred Dreyer was a former football player and was was there was it, Sam Malone came down to three people. Mm-hmm. William Devane, Fred Dreyer, and Ted Danson.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And they would they paired them up. They like they mixed and matched it. And eventually they had one group, it was I think it was William Devane and Julia Duffy. I could have this combination wrong, but it was William Devane and let's say Julia Duffy, Fred Dreyer and Miss Icorn, whose first name escapes me. It's probably me. Jill Icorn. Yeah. Jill Icorn, yeah. yeah. And Ted Danson and Shelley Wong. and they in front of the heads of Paramount and NBC and Brandon Tartikoff, and they did one of the scenes. I think it was the scene when she's been left behind by her fiancé, uh-huh. and they're having their that exchange, uh-huh. which the whole series is based upon that, basically. And the first group did it, the second group did it, the third group did it, and then they all went back and said, what do you think? And yeah, so this is
0: called Test, a Test. Yes, the yeah. Test. Yeah.
1: And William Devane was the best-known actor of the bunch. Right. Fred Dreyer physically... Was what they were looking for. Yeah. He, I mean, He's he, huge. He, he was a football player. Right. And, but nobody could deny that Ted Danson and Shelley Long's chemistry was through the roof. Right. And they said, we can't not do that. Yeah. And so the thing that, that um, Les Charles said was the one thing that Fred Dreyer had that Ted Danson didn't have was they called, ironically, called the peacock quality. Which was Fred Dreyer could strut around like a cocky jock,
0: absolutely.
1: And Ted Danson didn't have that quality, and so he tried to. They James Bros, who directed most of the first season, tried to basically said, "This is what you like." Kind of showed things of Fred Dreyer to him. So they're like, "This is how we need you to act. How you need to sort of walk into a swagger room, around. the sort of the swagger." Yeah. And they cast Ted Danson. But they made a change to the script, which was the character of Sam was a former New England Patriots quarterback. And it's tough to look at Ted Danson and say, that's a former football player. But especially- I mean,
0: to me, he looks like a jock to me. Well, that
1: shows what a good actor Ted Danson is. Uh But baseball players, especially in the pre-steroid era, had- They were in shape, but they had that lean, muscular shape as opposed to the big, bulky football player. Uh And so he looked more like a baseball player. And Ken Levine, who was one of the producers, who was also a rabid baseball fan and went on to become an announcer for the Seattle Mariners after winning Emmys for producing and writing Cheers, said, why don't we make him a baseball player? Boston's a bigger baseball city, especially at the time, than a football city. And so as me, a lifelong Red Sox fan, it was this gateway to tons of base, very specific baseball jokes. Uh-huh. And Nicholas Calasanto looks like what a baseball coach looks like. Sure. And so there are pictures all over the wall. Of course, I'm watching the episode the other day. And I'm like, oh, there's Tony Perez and Julio Valdez. That's, that's Carly Strubs. So they make very specific baseball references to it. And so they made that change, and it completely... Uh, That took the direction of the series.
0: It's so funny though because it's funny that Les Charles would want um, Ted Danson to have more of a peacock because to me, and I think this is just the benefit of him being such an attractive guy. He does have that strut to me. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy who's like, "Yep, I I uh, I could get anybody, you know, to tickle my toes anytime I want." He has that sort of understated swagger to me, and it's interesting because I don't know three or four episodes in, they do bring on Fred Dryer right. to play the part of kind of a, a boisterous, loquacious uh newscaster.
1: Well that and that was a little of a, a bone that was thrown to him because mm-hmm. they, he apparently did a great job in his test. And sure. his version of Sam, which would have been probably a little more machismo than uh Well it's tough to say because like maybe I mean Ted Danson probably just took the direction well. I mean he's a good actor he, yeah. and, and James Burroughs is one of the great TV directors of all time. So I mean it was he probably told him how to do that. But and it's so
0: funny because in, before Fred Dreyer comes on the set, you know, Sam's character is kind of the cock of the walk and he's definitely the tallest person yeah. in the bar. But then Fred Dreyer comes in and I was looking at him and I think I mentioned I'm like damn, Fred Dryer is really tall and big. Yeah. You know. Well, he
1: looks like I mean he was a football player and he looks right, like
0: Right, I don't know nothing but, about but, football. But but I but but he does yeah.
1: have that 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 jock quality to him.
0: Yeah, yeah, but he seems really dumb. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that was kind of part of the character. But anyway, it was that's just so interesting.
1: And because the 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 Charles were involved with Taxi, they knew Rhea Perlman through Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito. Yeah. and um, evidently Danny DeVito constantly was showing up to Cheers tapings, but never did a cameo. On the show,
0: well, if you close your eyes, it's basically Danny DeVito who's playing that
1: role. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it's, her
0: cadences—it's it's a her Louis De Palma.
1: Na- <laughs> she's basically Louis <laughs> De Palma. Her nastiness,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: George Went, who also was a veteran of the Chicago Improv world, had done a—I think he had done episodes of Taxi. I know he did a very memorable episode of Mash uh, as the uh, one of the soldiers who came into the. Uh, the ward with a pool ball stuck in his mouth, <laughs> and Winchester has to get the pool ball out of his mouth. It's it's a very it's a great. I mean, look, it, uh, uh, uh was uh, David Ogden Stayers on Mash was so funny, and he had yeah. the, and went with the like, he hit like a pool ball like with a number five on it, and he said, five, is that how old you are?"
0: <laughs> I think Mash will have to be next. That'll be our next. Uh, but, man
1: maybe. Well, yeah. we well, 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 let's let's cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. But um. But they, George went was like the front runner. They wanted him on the show. Uh-huh. They auditioned a bunch of other people. And one of the people they auditioned for the role of Norm was John Ratzenberger. Mm-hmm. Now, John Ratzenberger, who Pixar fans will know as Ham and is kind of an in-joke in the Pixar film, is what character is John Ratzenberger going be in this film? And isn't
0: he, he in Star Wars?
1: He appears in every Pixar film. But he also lived in England Star for- Star
0: Wars, a, I said. I know. Oh, okay. I'm, 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 Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my sentence is actually... Oh, get that. He lived in England for a long time, and whenever there was a big epic movie that they needed Americans in, he's from Bridge... Uh, John Rassler was from Bridgeport, Connecticut, as are my parents, and he appeared in them. So he appeared in The Empire Strikes Back. He appeared in Superman, Superman Two, Gandhi, Firefox, Bridge Too Far. All these huge epic films includes... Um. What does that say? Um,
0: Take a break and do the twist.
1: No, don't have, to go, don't have to go. off to go. <laughs> and um, so you see Cliffy, including just before the battle, before the Walker battle and Empire Strikes Back, and <laughs> and um, and I'm a, such a huge fan of all those films that when I first saw my first episode of Cheers in 1983, I remember thinking, "Oh wow, it's the guy from the NASA scene from Superman II. Um, but. He auditioned for for uh, Norm, and Norm, and when he did he was clear that he, he 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 got the sense he wasn't getting the part, and he said at during his audition, he said, "Do you have a bar know it all?" And... and he did an improv because he's also an improv actor, and John Ratzenberger did an improvisation for the producers. Of the guy who knows it all at the bar, which of course, that is an archetype that doesn't really exist anymore because people have Google. Uh. But at the <laughs> time, you had someone like Cliff, and so they, he made them laugh. And so they knew there were gonna be barflies there, so they cast him as a barfly. So he wasn't in the opening credits as a regular, but in the end, he appeared in every episode of Cheers except for one. He was, a, he was a, a guest actor in the first season, and then he became part of the regular cast. So, But that, that was based on the improv that he gave. And it got to the point where the writers would put kind of a blank, you know, Cliff says something here, right, and John right. Ratzenberger would come in. And the know-it-all was written originally there. They knew we wanted him in it uniform. And this is according to my half-assed internet research. They decided to change him from a cop to a mailman because hmm. it's implied that he learns a lot of this stuff by reading other people's mail
0: <laughs> it's never said but I, that I, that I, where would
1: he get this said, well, he gets everyone's mail and he flips through the magazines before he puts <laughs> it in and so yeah that and and there's there's a bunch of things like uh you know Frazier was supposed to appear in like three episodes mm-hmm. and he went on to go on to play the part longer than anyone has ever played a sitcom character ever when he combines cheers and...
0: Right, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey
1: Grammer. And then Lilith was a, supposed to appear in one episode. Right. And she just, you know, they, you know, she and... Frasier became the focus of the series for a couple of years.
0: Yes, and it's so funny because the great Bibi Newworth who played Lilith, you know, she also was a star on Broadway. And she was she was hardly the tightly buttoned up intellectual. Mm-hmm. You know, she plays, you know, Roxy Hart or you know, she's it was an incredible dancer yeah. and performer. Um yeah, wow.
1: And and eventually Shelley Long infamously made her decision to leave the show and pursue a movie career. And she is forever mocked for that. But what in many ways it did is it, it jump-started the series again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it sort of allowed the series to go on different directions. And when they cast uh, Kirstie Alley, who had already done Star Trek II, she was not a complete unknown when she got cast in the role of Rebecca. She was originally cast as kind of this ice you know, icy, you know, no-nonsense person until the writers and everyone got to know her a little bit better and saw that she was actually kind of goofy. And so as the series progresses, she kind of transforms from being this, you know, don't mess with me, no-nonsense, to this kind of quirky, neurotic character, sure. which is much more interesting. Right. And uh, But they also made the, I think, the smart decision to not turn it into another Sam and Diane, as much as there's tension between Rebecca and Sam, uh, you know, it, it, it made the show more interesting. So
0: Yeah, Sam and Diane, for all you little whippersnappers out there, that was sort of the the um, the, the will-they-won't-they they kind of prototype that yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of other series you know, hinged on. So that's so cool. So I wanted to give a shout out to those original, you know, what a cast. And mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to those original casting directors, uh, Jeff Greenberg, Stephen Kolzak, Randy Stone and Laurie Openden. Now Jeff Greenberg, interestingly enough, you know, who I've, I've met and he's a wonderful guy. He also does Modern Family and Frasier and he's just the king. And um, Alan Hooper, his longtime associate, is a friend of mine. Um, Stephen Kolczak, interestingly enough, did Altered States.
1: Really? (laughs) This is
0: back in the day when, you know, casting directors could do a lot of different things. Randy Stone, um, Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D. Um, 3D. And they also,
1: he uh, looks like Say Anything, which is another. Say
0: Anything, yeah. There weren't as many casting directors back then. But then Lori opened who actually has gone on, and she's the head casting director. Um, executive at the CW, so um, it's. I just want to give shouts out to mm-hmm. those casting directors who who found these people. Yep. You know who who many many. I we never get credit. They certainly never get credit. We don't have an Oscar. Um, But without them, without somebody going and seeing Woody Harrelson on Broadway and saying, hey, that serious actor should be, or whatever, that actor should be on this TV show, you know, um, actors really owe them a huge uh, debt of gratitude that they hardly ever get. But anyway.
1: And finding the imagination of getting someone like, seeing that there is a Shelley Long who is so perfect i mean no offense to julie duffy or anyone else sure. who, who read for that part but my god has there ever been a role that is more perfectly fitted for someone than just the way she looks her physicality her voice her manners are just it's perfect and I, and that the casting of the two of them are is so exquisite yeah dancing and and Shelley Long, and, and and that's
0: something we have to fight for sometimes. When you see just undeniable chemistry, mm-hmm. but somebody else is like, yeah, but so no, and William so. De-
1: William Devane's more famous, or Fred right. dreyer was a football player, right? Like, you right.
0: Know. You, you kind of have to fight for that, and um, and it, it's it's very nice to see that Jeff Greenberg did bring shelly Long back many years later on Modern Family, where she got to be a very goofy ex-wife of um, Jay and the mother of. Uh, Claire and
1: um, yeah, know, what's the guy's name? I forget. But the the interesting thing and this also shows up in a different era. Mitchell, the, sorry. The, the yeah. different era of television this was is that Brandon Tartikoff, who was in charge of NBC at the time, really championed Cheers. He he knew there was talent behind the show. He knew the talent behind Taxi and all the great work that they had done. The first season of Cheers, there. They had the lowest ratings. I mean, they were just getting, really? they were in the 70s of, out of like a hundred some odd shows oh. of the week. I mean, they were completely, they were like getting clobbered. Huh. And it was kind of, it was, looked like it was going to be a very high profile flop mm. that all this great talent came together for this show and it bombed. And it was Brandon Tartikoff who kept it on the air who said, I think this is a good show. I think this show will find its audience. Now, it's ironic in some ways that the thing that really propelled the show to success, and I'm just saying this as a fact, I'm not saying there was any judgment, was Bill Cosby. The fact that when the Cosby show became the global sensation that it was when it came out in 84 they put Cheers on that lineup after it. It went Cosby we Show, Family Ties, Cheers. Oh. And the tidal wave, yeah. what that did, turning Family Ties into a huge hit. And Family Ties had its success. So those were the two lead-ins. Sure. And so they had that great lead-in. And then suddenly, uh, people, the people who saw Cheers liked it. And I, I have a kind of a skewed point of view because I was living in Massachusetts and hey, there's a show taking place about Boston, and they talk about the Red Sox. We thought Spencer for Hire was a hit, too. They're like, oh, Spencer's on. You know, it's like, and, and Spencer for Hire was on for like one second. Why did they cancel Spencer? Because we were the only one watching it. <laughs> That's why they canceled Spencer. Um, cheers, Spencer. They, they only, only created shows that we couldn't pronounce. But But so I thought it was a hit right away, because everyone was watching the show and liked it. But when the show became a national hit, I think people... Uh, and then that was also a time when sh- shows were being rerun that were still on the air. Like MASH was in reruns while it was still on the air. And Cheers started rerunning while it was still on the air. So I think people uh, caught it in after the season one or two. And then it became just the... Uh, one of the most beloved TV shows. Of yeah,
0: time. but that you're right. That diving board of having two one-two punch heavy hitting um, hits. Yeah, you know, family shows, and then of course, then the the kids go to bed, and the adults stay up and they watch Cheers. Yeah, you
1: know? well, then and then you know, Cheers was followed by Night Court. and Night Court was followed by Hill Street Blues. Oh yeah, and that was the template that NBC used uh, for you know right through you know friends and and mm-hmm. er and all the ones through the 90s they just that was you have to have the big huge hit at eight time and nine time. yeah uh, the uh, other hits they develop at eight thirty and nine thirty, and then the grown-up show at 10 yeah and that or the drama at 10 so you had like la law or er all these shows that they put in at that spot I don't remember if the West Wing was or not, but I do know like those shows on Thursday, like, you know, Seinfeld eventually was on there, Friends was eventually on there, Mad About You was eventually on there. Mm-hmm. And it was a thing that we fans of the show News Radio always was frustrated. Why don't they put News Radio on? <laughs> and they would sometimes shove in like a Caroline in the City or the single guy to sort of say, uh, maybe we can, yeah, what about these? What about these? Okay, right, we'll shuffle them, shuffle them, shuffle them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and um but yeah, Cheers was uh, that that Cheers was one of the great uh, got was uh, buoyed by that lead in audience who then Cheers became a point in television that helped Night Court.
0: Right. Well, we have eleven seasons of Cheers to mm-hmm. binge through, and we try to be completists. Yeah. We try to. Oh, Scrubs was the other one. Scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we watched Scrubs. Yeah. Um, so I
1: remember there were a couple of seasons of Cheers where they got a little too wacky. You know, like mm-hmm. towards the end, they, they were like having too many like weird sight gags. they am like, okay, that's a little unrealistic. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> but, but what made the show work was that you, it, it's a, it's one of the shows where the theme song really captures what the show is. It's like you go to the bar to hang out with your friends, uh-huh. and you get to know who these people are, and I, and I, the best shows are the ones that, uh, and it, that. If, find that central location and say this is what this is what we are, this is who we are. It's interesting when you watch Cheers, and we just watched The Odd Couple not long before that. The best episodes of the Odd Couple, the best episodes of Cheers, are basically we're in this space for the entire show. We're yeah. not going on looking where what are we doing in this space to give these performers a chance to play around instead yeah. of running out to different locations and everything like that. And I think that that you play to the strength of you know, you know where Norm is, you know, where coaches, you know, Carla is going to scoot in around here. And so mm-hmm. you can have the, the bar be the hub. Oh, I found out an interesting thing. My they, my half-baked internet research last night that there's always people chopping fruit, like lemons. <laughs> and one of the reasons is, is they originally were gonna have them constantly mixing drinks, uh-huh. but that makes too much noise. Uh-huh. They were like, hey, like ruining takes, so they have to be doing something. There's no uh, blender there's too. There's no blender, <laughs> like they'll do something like this, they'll, yeah. they'll fill up the beer, but they like, with a quiet drink. So they have to do something bartendery. Yeah. So they'll be either washing a glass or chopping a lemon, yep. so that they're give them something to do. Um, and uh, and
0: that's very true to life, yes, based on is. all the
1: bars that I've worked in. Yes. Uh,
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much. You know, sometimes on Killer Casting, we talk about killers but sometimes we also talk about casting. And I love to honor and amplify great casting when we see it. But thank you, Paul, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for inviting
1: me. Absolutely. uh, I'll get an Uber and get back to the hotel. That's
0: right. Um, And we're going to go through all all those seasons of Cheers, and then who knows what we'll watch next? I I vote Night Court. I think that would be a very goofy, fun show to watch with the boys. Night,
1: Night Court could be it. Um, you would also. In fact, say,
0: Harry. What's his doing? Harry, Harry Anderson, Anderson yeah. made lots of guest appearances on Cheers. I wonder
1: if that was because you know they, a lot of times NBC would have like these deals with people. I wonder if they had a deal with Harry Anderson and try to figure out what to do with him yeah. and they stuck him on some episodes of Cheers, and then eventually they said, "Well, we'll have him play a judge." Yeah.
0: Okay. Right. Well, thank you. This is Killer Casting signing off.
1: Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: Color casting is a concept created and produced by me, Lisa Zambetti, with audio engineering by Dean Laffin, logo art by the lovely April Laffin, website, and big old fat opinions courtesy of Brian Allen Hill.